Boy, did we have a doozy, a doozy at the American Family Fields of Phoenix yesterday for your Milwaukee Brewers. The spring debut of Brandon Woodruff, Rowdy Brandon Woodruff. Good morning, Rowdy. How are we doing today, by the Good way? Morning. I was going to just start diving right in. I got to see my pleasantries. Brandon Woodruff gets up for the first inning, his first action, because he had a little back stiffness, uh, you know, uh, to start this early spring training season. Brandon Woodruff gets up there on the mound, goes one, two, three, even striking out Mike Trout. I like, he- I was like, hell yeah, let's go, Woody. He's blowing some smoke uh, right across the plate for Mike Trout. And then the second inning, back-to-back dingers. That's okay, though. It's spring tra- It's spring training, Rowdy. And then it was, what, 14 hits for your Milwaukee Brewers? Manny Pena got, had the magic stick. Uh, Terang had a home run uh, towards the end there. And they ended up winning in just a wild slugfest, 10-9 over the L.A. Angels. Rowdy, I know it's spring training. But it's something that we uh, were bothered with, obviously, last year. The Brewers were one of the worst teams when it comes to just scoring runs in general. Uh, even in the first inning, they were the worst, I think, by a landslide in the majors. They got three, three, I think it was three runs right away in the first inning and end up winning 10-9, to despite it being spring training. Are you li- are you liking the bats so far, the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, so far, the, the Brewers don't look like the same offense they were in 2020. No, which is beautiful. Which is great for everybody <laughs> except for their opponents. Exactly, it's great for us. I'll tell you that. It was nice, really nice to see. Um, did you catch? Did you catch? I know you're a big Trout guy. I mean, who isn't? Trout's awesome. But did you catch Woody v Trout in the first inning? Right. Yeah, away? I actually heard that one on the radio, and it was beautiful sounding. Just so, so happens, I got to the television the very next batter <laughs> but I did see the replay of him yeah it was nice to see Woody out there dealing a little bit now uh, obviously the two back-to-back jacks are concerning but again it's spring training and he's slowly coming back from that uh that back stiffness I thought that uh watching Brandon Woodruff pitch obviously you you heard about the back stiffness why he missed his first official start where they wanted yeah. him to start pushed him back after a simulated game I thought overall from watching Brandon Woodruff looked pretty decent. He missed his spot on two pitches, and those two pitches that he missed his spot on went over the fence. But if you were watching the whole game, the jet stream was open. Yes. Oh, my God. That the ball was ball, carrying. Balls were just bouncing out of the stadium yesterday. Obviously, it was 10-9. to 9. Yeah, it was crazy, and they mentioned that on the broadcast. I was listening to the radio. The radio broadcast many times, like, the jet stream is open here uh, in Maryville. It was just flying out of the park. The ball was just going around everywhere. Like the first home run he gave up to uh, Anthony Rondon, that one was like a a wall scraper that barely got out. That was a a good piece of hitting. The other one, though, that was mashed. (laughs) Do they have the yardage on those? Um, Or the feet, I mean, on those? That's off the line. No, but looking at here, my God, the Brewers, 14 hits, the Angels, nine. It uh, It was entertaining, man. I'll tell you that. It was entertaining. It was nice to see a lot of guys like Manny Pena and Omar Nervaez both getting hits, both consistently hitting the ball pretty well so far this spring. Yeah, and Avi Garcia. Avi had three hits. Yeah, he's crushing it. Yeah, Avi Sal Garcia's Avi Sa- sorry, I say it wrong. Avi Sal Garcia. I'm just gonna go Avi. Avi Garcia's been crushing it. What his average right now, Rowdy? Let's see. What is his average? 545. 545 for Avi Garcia. Uh, look at Peterson, 667. I'm trying to see who's all balling Manny Pena, 667. Manny Pena, Manny Pena crushing. crushing. This is awesome to see. Omar Nervias batting 400. And there's that uh, the first-round pick, Garrett Mitchell, from, uh, let's see, he's batting 429 he, after getting no action last year because of because uh, of the Rones. But, yeah, look at that. The Brewers just mashing the cover off the ball. And we've talked about how good the pitching has been for the most part so far this spring. This was the one game where the pitching wasn't very good, and it was nice to see that the sticks actually showed up, yeah. scored 10 runs. Because, I mean, you had you had a lot of guys that pitched la- uh, yesterday that'll probably be on the roster. You had Brandon Woodruff, Brent Suter, uh, Boxberger. You had Justin Topa. Yeah, Topa. And Perdomo's a guy that's probably closer to a quadruple-A player but still might see some run at the big league level. All of them but Perdomo gave up runs and got hit decently hard. I know. Um, I was reading, do you think Boxberger's going to Boxberger's gonna make it, right? I think he'll make the roster. They're talking on the broadcast about Boxberger. He's been throwing just lightning, lights out here uh, in spring training, and obviously he gave up you know, a home run yesterday. But Boxberger, they've been uh, really high on. He's been crushing it. So All-star yeah. in the past. He's had good seasons when he was younger with Tampa Bay. 
Uh, I believe he was an all-star with the Marlins. I mean, he's had some good seasons in him. Yeah, he has. And how about this? The the signing is official. He was hanging around yesterday. Jackie Bradley Jr. finalized, and the Brewers finalized the $24 million two-year contract. Yeah. Nice to see it's official. It is nice to see. Especially with all the Lorenzo Kane reports. Well, so what is his injury now? Is it a quad tightness now? Now, supposedly, yeah, he's got... What was it before? Was it always the I quad? I think they just said lower body. Lower, now they've now they've pinpointed it a little more. So Lorenzo Kane, what is going on with low Kane? Something is something. Does something not feel right about it, Rowdy? That's a big out. That's a lot of people in the outfield. Uh, that's all. There's four true starters, and how many play in the outfield, Rowdy? Just three. Three. So Jackie Bradley Jr. is turning 31 on April 19th. He joins an outfield. So Jackie Bradley Jr. won the Gold Glove with the Red Sox in 2018. He joins an outfield that has Lorenzo Cain, the 2019 Gold Glove winner. You have Christian Yelich, the 2018 NL MVP. Also a Gold Glove winner. And a Gold Glover. <laughs> and then Avisael Garcia. Four experienced starters out there for three outfield spots. What in the world is going to happen? As Low Kane said, what, two, three weeks ago, I said, don't worry, I'll be ready for opening day just trying to find my legs. Now I think I heard Council talking about uh, they'd be lucky to be on time for Locaine to be ready for opening day. Yeah, and for all of you out there that are going to say, why don't one of them just play first or third base? Not going to happen. No. They're all outfielders. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> and, aren't they and through three, and through outfielders? Yes, and three out of the four have gold gloves in the outfield. So, yes, they're not going to be – no one's moving anywhere. Someone's just not going to be playing. Which is so – isn't that so bizarre? Like, it's – who do you think gets to start opening day? Jackie Bradley Jr.? Do you think Locaine? Yes. If Locaine's, do you think Locaine's going to be on the roster on opening day? That remains to be seen, but I think your starter will be Jackie Bradley Jr. He's the younger guy. He's the fresher guy. I mean, we talked about. Uh, well, I said there's a lot of red flags going into this season with Lorenzo Cain just based on coming off one of his worst career years, yeah. hitting the baseball in 2019. And he's old. He's only getting older. He's only getting paid more, and it seems like that year off never goes well in any professional sport. And now talk about taking the year off after one of your worst career years and while you're going to be 35 this season. Yeah, he's turning 35 April 13th. And when he got there, there were a lot of reports coming out that I saw that man, he necessarily didn't look very good. No. But then you heard Council trying to be positive about it. You heard some of the Brewers uh, staff trying to say, oh, he'll be ready. Low Canes, look, it's, he looks fine, yada, yada, yada. Well, then turns out about a week, week and a half later. Oh, well, he, he's his legs are a little lame. We got to work him back. You know, he'll play um, the game after uh, Sunday. Yeah. A.K.A. He should have been playing yesterday. yesterday. And then all of a sudden there was a report that came out. Uh, I believe it was Adam McKelvey had some tweets saying how, you know, Lorenzo Cain hoping to get his legs under him soon, hoping to make it to opening day. And then there's Lorenzo Cain saying, yeah, I'm definitely playing opening day and then you have the manager Craig Council who's been pretty positive and upbeat about yeah we're trying to get him along we're trying to get him ready here he's the one saying all of a sudden not so positive going yeah I don't know if he'll be ready for opening day we'll see what happens I don't think he's going to be ready for opening day um, You're gonna, as Rowdy said Jackie Bradley Jr. your center fielder so yeah Lil Kane dealing with the quad issue they say, let's see, I mean, your slowest progress in spring training, potentially complicating his status for the start of the season. Well, what's Locaine known for right now? It's it's his defense. It's He's coming off a gold glove in 2019. Obviously, he played for about a week in 2020. The biggest thing, though, that's, that's, his, that's his biggest strength, right, is defense? Yes. Well, Jackie Bradley Jr.'s biggest strength is, is also defense, defense, and it's probably at this point in their careers better than Lorenzo Cain. He's younger, he has his legs, and he's not dealing with quad issues. And yeah, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr., and to be there's fair, a reason why that the David Stern signed him. Yeah, Jackie Bradley Jr., if you watch like all of his um, next generation stats with uh, ball angles and and stuff like that from outfield Launch routes. trajectory. He's like one of the best outfielders in the game. And Lorenzo Cain, he was great in 2019 when he won a gold glove. <laughs> Oops. But to be completely honest, he had a better defensive season in 2018. Really? He was just remember he was just oh, robbed. Yeah, yeah, he was robbed. It Who was won almost, the Gold Glove that year, or uh, in the NL. I don't remember, but but I know he's he, he was robbed. He was probably well. He should have been the Gold Glove in 2018, and I feel like 2019 he obviously also had a good season, but not as good as his 2018. Uh -huh. 
And I think it was just kind of a makeup. So, yeah, I, th- I totally agree with you on that. So, because, yeah, you're right. I remember that now. Yeah, he did have a lot better year uh, then. And, then and he was I'm robbed not saying, it. like, Who he had that? a bad 2019 season. He was obviously really, really, well, yeah, really good defensively, love, but yeah. too. But he wasn't as good defensively as he was in 18 when he didn't win. Yeah, because we were all pissed off and hacked off about it. Um, I'm trying to look he who got robbed. Gold Manager of the year in the NL, Craig Council got robbed. Um, Rowdy, Rowdy. So check this out. Um, I'm reading here, and I have comments actually from David Stearns, who was talking about this uh, yesterday, is with the media, and I also have comments from Jackie Bradley Jr. as well. Uh, but reading here at uh, MadCitySportsOne.com, our website. Let's see, Brewers GM David Stern says, if we look at the three outfield positions, conservatively there are 2,100 plate appearances. That's a lot of playing time. It's a lot of plate appearances. We want as good of players as possible to consume all of those. So now to hopefully be able to have four really, really good players consuming those 2,100 plate appearances, that puts us in a really good spot. Uh, Stearns noted that Lorenzo Cain had some wisdom teeth removed before the start of camp that had shut him down for uh, a week to 10 days. And then Kane said he later hurt his quad while running the bases. Man, I just looked it up. Who wanted the 2018 again? Gold Glove winners were Corey Dick- Dickerson, Ender Inciarte, and Nick Markakis. What? Come on. <laughs> Are you serious? No wonder we forgot that. Corey like, Dickerson, really? Wow. Again, low the, the other two are historically really good outfielders defensively, but Corey Dickerson, come on. Come on, man. It sounds like Locaine got Dickerson. That's just... You ever heard of the guy Nick Dickerson, by the way? Yeah, I think he follows me on Twitter. Yeah, that guy seems pretty cool. All right, 608-321-1670, Twitter. That's at Zone Madison. Uh, we'll talk a lot of Brewers today. It was nice to see them get a, a 10-9 to win against the Angels. It was, it was nice, dude. It was cool to see the sticks come alive when the pitching was struggling a little bit. Brewers are back at it today. Uh, two tens first pitch against the San Francisco Giants. Brewers made it official yesterday, signing their outfielder Jackie Bradley Jr. a twenty-four two-year contract. And Rowdy, do you like this part of it? He can opt out after one year if you don't like it. Like you can just say, "Hey, I'm done. See ya." You like that? I don't really have an issue for that. Yeah, neither neither do I. I just I mean, you know, you're going to have him for one year. If he performs and plays well, likes the area, he'll probably stick around for two years. I mean, he's making $12 million. Yeah. The only way he's going to leave or want to go is if he has like a, probably close to a career year. Yeah, definitely. Cause then you could get what paid in full elsewhere, which is going to be pretty tough, especially if they do keep Lorenzo Kane. Cause you're just not going to have the at bats or playing time. Most likely to have a career. Yeah. 2100 conservatively, 2100 plate appearances for all those outfielders. David Stearns was talking about speaking of David Stearns. He talks about here, um, First, we'll, we'll go to the comments of him talking about if he's not sure if it's a one-year deal or a two-year deal for Jackie Bradley Jr. It's in the player's hands. What we do know is we're very happy to have him here for this year. I think he'll see how the year goes, see what the environment looks like heading into next offseason. Probably some uncertainty heading into next offseason as well. So we're going to take it literally year by year. It's not something I'm going to worry about this year. I don't think Jackie's going to worry about it this year. Yeah, so there you go. They're just like, all right, year by year, we'll see how you do, and then move on from there. So more from David Stearns, the president of baseball's operations, about the motivation behind the signing. He makes us better, and just adding additional really quality players to our team is something we've tried to do here for for many years, and adding someone of Jackie's caliber, uh, both in terms of his play on the field, his impact in the clubhouse, and his impact in the community, something we're excited about. So, Rowdy, they're obviously excited about Jackie Bradley Jr., winner of a gold glove, um, a, a consistent stick, but really good defense. And back real quick about the two-year deal with the after an option after a year. This is the first time David Stearns has given a player in his tenure, given a player uh, the first opt-out deal ever for him. Stearns talks about that. I don't anticipate making a pattern of this. This was a unique situation and a unique free agent year with a whole lot of market forces at play here that made it the right thing to do for both sides. Yeah, okay. I think what he's trying to say is he really likes Jackie Bradley Jr. or else you wouldn't you wouldn't give him the option to have a second year. And coincidentally, I think it's uh, very interesting that Lorenzo Kane has this year and next year on his contract and Jackie Bradley Jr. potentially has a two-year option. Interesting. So they talk about, and the outfield is, you know, a little packed 
right now. Here's Stearns talking about having another quality outfielder to help balance the load. I think we do have to remind all of ourselves that this is a full 162 this year, and that's what we're planning for. And guys get dinged and hurt, and a lot of guys play through it. And to be able to, to give a guy a day off when he needs it um, without really compromising what we have on the field it is a real luxury for us right now. I guess it is a luxury. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen with Kane if he's going to be available to start the season. Well, it's it's a luxury, f- though. You have to figure that once, because there was rumors about Jackie Bradley Jr., what, probably two weeks before they, they, well, it was reported that they signed him. Yeah. Probably a solid three weeks before it became official. You had to know that there had to be some worry about Lorenzo Kane, or else you're not going to go sniffing around yeah. on Jackie Bradley Jr. Lorenzo Kane's already your highest paid player. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense unless you are worried about center field. Now, people can use the excuse depth, depth, depth. Yeah, but why would you go and, and sign a Jackie Bradley Jr. for $12 million? That's not really the the quote-unquote brewer's way where no. you're trying to save money and be small market. Okay, right? you talk about depth, Rowdy. Here is David Stearns talking about how Jackie Bradley Jr. Excuse me, does indeed give them more depth. We understand that that's going to take low a little bit of time to get going here. That doesn't surprise us. It's tough coming back from nearly a year away from the team. He's been slowed a little bit with his legs. That also doesn't really surprise us. And so adding someone of, of this caliber to our mix there maybe takes a little bit of pressure off him and then, and then also helps protect us against the inevitable that we're going to see over the course of the year. So, there it is. I mean, they are concerned about low Kane and the start of the season, I guess, from the man himself, David Stearns. And then I did see a lot of other people talking about how, well, if you platoon them, those are two really good outfielders to be platooning. <laughs> That's true defensively, but both, you could argue, are extremely streaky hitters, and low Kane is probably, well, he's definitely on the back end of his career. And I don't really know if it makes a whole lot of sense spending $28 million for one center fielder when you combine the two, right? Yeah. I mean, Low Kane's making $16 million. Jackie Bradley Jr. will now be making $12 million. If you pull up some of the highest-paid outfielders in the game, if you are looking to combine that money for $28 million, you know who are the only two outfielders that are paid more than that? Someone on the Yankees? Nope. Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Oh, really? Yeah. Two of the best outfielders in the game. Everybody else, they're making less money than that. Wow. So I don't know if it really financially even makes a whole lot of sense. I, I, this scares me with Lorenzo Kane. Something's got to be happening. I mean, that's a lot of money out there for guys that, to your point, they're just going to be, you know, like, of, there's going to be one guy every game sitting on the bench who's making a lot of money. Now, there's no way that they probably could have done this, but think about if they took that money that they signed Jackie Bradley Jr. with and they somehow could get Lorenzo Kane off their books where he's no longer with the Brewers. You freed up roughly $28 million. George Springer just signed for $25 million a year. <laughs> now, are you telling me, would you want Jackie Bradley Jr. and Lorenzo Cain, or would you want George Springer for 25 Because I'd take George Springer for 25 <laughs> instead of those two for 28 uh, Totally, dude. Um, Something smells weird something's here. Off. Something's funky. Well, ex- continuing with the low Cain stuff, right? I mean, first it was, yeah, I'll be ready for opening day, no problem. Well, low Cain... Last week, they said Low Kane's going to be playing on Monday, the Monday that just happened yesterday. Now, Low Kane's got a quad injury. Before it was, you know, his wisdom teeth. Now it's a quad injury. For his, and in between that, they said just what? Lower body injury. Now they specifically said quad injury. His legs aren't there. You have Stearns with the comments there saying he might not be ready for opening day. There is some concern. Well, what Something's about happening. if you go back dating to last season, uh, 2020, before the year? Remember when they had the reporter interview Ryan Braun from his. His Malibu mansion, mansion or whatever. Yeah. And he was talking about how, yeah, you know, I, I kind of don't really want to leave my family and, and all this family stuff. That's the exact same thing that uh, Lorenzo Cain used when he opted out after the first week of, of the season. And well, he, he likes to get being closer around to God, too. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he talked about kind of his time away and with his family. And then all of a sudden, Ryan Braun's not back this year. That's not because. The Brewers wanted him really back. Braun just wants to be out. Yeah, it it sounded like Braun's kind of ready to to give it up a career. Well, you saw Braun talking like that last year. Well, now you're hearing Kane kind of talking like that, but he still has two years left on his deal. Braun was done. And Kane's getting a lot of money in those two years. Yeah, it's just it just feels it just feels weird. Dollar dollar bills, they all hey RJ, how's that breakfast sandwich? It's pretty good. You scarfed that down quick. I did. I'm hungry. I always eat quick. What do you think about this um, 
Low Kane and Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, we all like it. I assume you like it. I guess, I guess I'll check it out. Yeah, you hear about this guy, Jackie Bradley. What the hell are you doing, Jackie? What the hell are you doing? Um, one, more from, one more from uh, David Stearns here before we hit the break and get to the razor's edge. Uh, he does talk about the Brewers. This move says Brewers help defense and offense with these. Uh, this move. Yeah, with both Colton and Jackie. Yes, these are very talented defensive players. They also provide some nice lineup balance, uh, being able to swing it from the from the left side. And so we do look at these guys as two way contributors. They will impact our team unquestionably on the defensive side of the ball. Our pitching staff is going to enjoy having them out there. But but there's also an offensive component to this. They are loaded on defense. Rowdy, is this the most? Like stout, you've seen the Brewers on paper so far defensively. Look at all the gold glovers they got out there. Look at all the just the the only liability is what maybe third base because you're not sure who's there. Then Keston here possibly in first base. I think I have an idea who's going to be at third base, but uh, his name is the mayor of Ding Dong City, Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw was battling yesterday on his at bats, battling for Travis Shaw. All right, so there you go. There's uh, some comments there from David Stearns. But, yes, this is probably off the top of my head one of the better defensive Brewers teams because normally I feel like when you're talking about the Brewers, you, ha- you always have the the bats, right, the sluggers that yeah. are going to hit home runs, but you're always looking for the pitching, and then it feels like the the field, there's more to be desired defensively. <laughs> they got it, man. They are strong up that middle too. But I have an update oh. about um, – not specifically Badger football, but more of you remember when they canceled the season, Big Ten football. They canceled it. All the uh, the Big Ten presidents did. Yep. And then the, the chancellors are like, "Yeah, we're not doing this." Yep. Well, a report came out last week that uh, well, uh, Chancellor Rebecca Blank was kind of like public enemy number one in this article. She was the one getting the most you know trouble thrown her way. But well, where's the article from? And rightfully so. Oh, it's from, uh, let's see here. It was the State Journal? The uh, Washington Post. Oh. Uh, Washington oh, yeah, Post. Yeah, yeah, I read that one. Yeah, last Friday was talking about how um, Rebecca Blank and all the other Big Ten leaders, they were trying to hide, and it was clearly illegal. Like yeah. everyone knew it was illegal You're what they were doing. They're a public institution. They're a public institution. You have to be able to, you know, see this public records. You yeah. got to be able to see their emails and what they're talking about. They went out of their way to go on private servers yeah. to talk about. COVID-19 and what it meant to athletics and their universities, obviously. And that's without everybody else. Yeah, without every, without everyone else. Just the presidents and chancellors. So they 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 thought they had an end around of some like private server. I forget what the server was called. I can look it up real quick. A private server where they were having these secret conversations and thinking that they were above the law and above what was uh, legal and illegal. And this was a scathing article yeah, last week. Until Nebraska is like, guys, I've been using my university email. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they were talking like code in in uh, yeah. the normal emails and stuff. And now Rebecca Blank yesterday came out to apologize. Uh, I guarantee you, she would not be apologizing if they didn't catch her. No. Yeah. And all the other Big Ten presidents. Rebecca Blank obviously never watched the movie Snowden. <laughs> because there is no such thing as private servers or private anything. Let's see here. I'm reading the article here. This is from the Wisconsin State Journal yesterday. Uh, UW-Madison Chancellor Rebecca Blank apologized on Monday for emails she sent last summer suggesting COVID-19 communications between Big Ten leaders to be moved to the network's private portal. An approach one expert on Wisconsin's public records law called, quote, clearly illegal. Hold on. So how... And a bunch of other like people the, in law were like, this is highly illegal. The Big Ten, I mean, even even if you're on the ne- a, a network of Big Ten universities, that private portal isn't private. It's still public domain. They they thought they had a little... I was reading... I'll pull up the article, but reading the article last week, it was yeah. in the emails like, well, I'm pretty sure that this gets by certain laws and aspects and yada, yada, yada. It doesn't. So let's see here. Rebecca Blank said, quote, I regret the language I used in my email exchange with other Big Ten chancellors, which appears as though I intended to use the Big Ten board portal to skirt my public records responsibilities. This was surely not my intention, and I apologize for that appearance. Well, in the emails that uh, were uncovered last week, they clearly knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. They even suggested that they move to this so it could get by the public record rules and laws. But you can't. 
So the University of Wisconsin system is reviewing the matter after learning about it late last week. Uh, the Washington Post reported on it last Friday about Blank and other Big Ten leaders emailing a story explaining the efforts they made to shroud their discussions from taxpayers who fund their university. Uh, the State Journal on Monday reviewed the same records provided to the Post. Among the 203 pages of released emails was Blank's suggestion to move discussions to the private platform, which she offered in response to University of Michigan presidents asking Big Ten colleges and presidents in late August to confidentially compare notes about COVID on their campuses as the fall semester loomed. Here's what Rebecca Blank said in an email that was uncovered. I would be delighted to share information, Rebecca Blank wrote in an email chain to Big Ten Chancellor's presidents, but perhaps we can do this through the Big Ten portal, which will assure confidentiality. So they knew exactly what they were doing. Who it's coming from? They knew what they were doing. Uh, Let's see here. The president of the Wisconsin Freedom of Information Council criticized Blank yesterday for encouraging secret discussions on a topic he said is clearly in the public's interest. Quote: It's clearly illegal for her to use this backdoor channel to conduct the public's business. The calculation with which Chancellor Blank has tried to evade the requirements of our open records law is deeply troubling. I think she's embarrassed the university and the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, but nothing will happen. Not a single thing will happen. I mean, she had an apology, oh. which she would not ooh, be apologizing ooh, if she, she wasn't apologized. If Great. Barry Alvarez is upset with her, something could happen. Let's see here. Uh, Blank, in a, her Monday statement, says she takes her public records responsibilities seriously. No, you don't. Sure It's you just do. like the NCAA when their referees make a mistake or they come out to have uh, done something illegal. Oh, sorry. Uh, deal with it. Yeah. But sorry, we accidentally did this. They come out with the statement. We recognize that the referee made a mistake oh, during the game that actually gave sorry. so-and-so the win. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. <laughs> Nothing we can do about it now. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Uh, here's some of the emails I hear. Rebecca Blank saying, I would be delighted to share the information. I know I read this one. I'm just reiterating. I would be delighted to share this information. But perhaps we can do this through the Big Ten portal, which will assure confidentiality. The next day, the Michigan president said, just FYI, this is his email, just FYI, I'm working with Big Ten staff to move the conversation to secure Board Ad- Board Vantage website, which we use for legal materials, will advise. Uh, they go on to say how they all want to make sure that their uh, confidentiality and that they're not having to uh, give this up to open records requests as they were uh, not communicating with anyone else besides the chancellors and presidents. So they did not want who are funded by taxpayers besides Northwestern. Are, are none of the, like, Chancellors or presidents, uh, any lawyers in here? RJ's because right. RJ's right, though, on this fact. Unless somebody potentially more powerful than her, like a Barry Alvarez or someone even above both of them, wants her out, she'll be out. Now, but if they don't, she'll be there and she'll, she'll be fine. Oh, she'll Tom, be fine. Tommy Thompson's the head of the UW system right now. Yeah, um, he, that's just his that new put, on that, right? Like he, in a year now? Does he have domain over I don't the know. entire system? I'm not sure. I'd have to. Or, I, I'd get someone on the interview. That'd be a great interview yeah. to ask about this. Because this is this is clear and obvious. They'd of them. probably never interview with us again. <laughs> this is clear and obvious about them trying to do a legal activity of keep things. There, RJ, the universities besides so, Northwestern, the universities yeah. aren't they funded by the public by taxpayers? Correct. And like each and every one of them is a land grant institution. So it's every pretty much every campus in the Big Ten. The government gave you the land for public education. But you know what they're doing? Skirting their responsibilities to the public. Now, the other thing. And hiding conversations that they're not allowed to do. uses this board vantage, it's called, for legal stuff. Yeah. That doesn't keep it out of public domain. You're still a public institution. I got to find it. There's. They thought it was a legal end around, because I remember conversations uh, of them asking if there was a legal end around to this. Um, and then they had, let's see here. The only thing you could say is there's an ongoing investigation. We can't share that with you right now. And then eventually the stuff comes out. So they say right right here, the apparent attempt to avoid public scrutiny alarmed public records experts who voiced concern over the possibility that the leaders of the 13 of the nation's richest public institutions are taking steps to avoid scrutiny from the taxpayers who fund their universities. Quote, the idea 
that government officials would intentionally use a technological platform seemingly with the intent of evading public records laws is both troubling and wrong on the law, said Adam Marshall, a senior staff attorney at the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press. It's... Listen, this is nothing new. This sounds is like a government uh, officials skirting laws. Wow, I'm shocked. It sounds like uh, they might be in another court case. This might be their second court case here. Let's see here. Uh, asked about the above exchange where Rebecca Blank was talking to the Michigan president about moving to a secure platform. Uh, they said, quote, Chancellor Rebecca Blank communicates with her fellow Big Ten presidents and chancellors in multiple ways, but is mindful of her responsibilities under Wisconsin's public records laws. In the discussion in question, her intent was to move the conversation out of a long reply-all email string and onto the Big Ten secure collaboration platform. And this is very troubling. <laughs> uh, they say the legal end-around. They thought they had a legal end-around with this private server. Very intriguing. Yeah, it's, yes. I mean, in, in terms of a public institution, I don't know how you have a private server. They I say mean, a third-party system does not nullify public records laws, according to multiple yeah. experts. I mean, all you need is one lawyer among this group of chancellors and presidents to be like, guys, this what you think is not the case. We're still all public institutions minus one. The only one who doesn't have to submit anything is Northwestern. Maybe we should have them do all the talking. So one of the people that's involved with the legal experts for... Um you know, doing these uh, public health law or public health, public records laws and whatnot, they say what you see here is intent. What you see here is the reason we use this third party communication channel is because it is a way for us not to generate records that are in our possession that are going to be subjected to open record laws. This is a severe problem. Wow. They they are trying their hardest to uh, to hide everything they are talking about. So broad record requests from the Post, Washington Post to various Big Ten schools asking for emails from university leaders that included keywords such as football, season, or athlete yielded little relevant discussion. Instead, they showed a shared concern that the deliberations never reached the public views. So all of these presidents were very concerned that their deliberations and decisions never reached the public. Pretty nuts, dude. So there you go. There's a little update on the uh, nefarious activities happening in and around the Big Ten of the people in power. Shocking. I'm shocked. There's only one thing left to do. Whitewash your emails. That's it. <laughs> you got to bleach them, Rowdy. That's it. You got to get the, 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 the bleach them. All right, there you go. Uh, I can't believe it, guys. People in positions of power that are funded by taxpayers <laughs> yeah, are, overstepping. Che- are, are overstepping their bounds and trying to do things illegal and hide stuff. Wow, I am so shocked. Our guy Corey says, great topic and discussion about Rebecca Blank and the nefarious activities of the Big Ten presidents. Thank you for talking about this. Yeah, dude, I mean, like, it's an, it's pretty crazy. It's not surprising, I'll tell you that. Let's see here. Among the 203 pages of released emails, Blank's suggestion to move discussion to the private platform with all the other Big Ten presidents, yada, 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 is alarming. Says, yada, uh, yada, the best part. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of best parts here. There's a lot of yada, yada through this. Um, oh, here we go. How about this one? The Michigan president wrote back to Rebecca Blank saying, quote, Becky, if you simply delete emails after sending, does that relieve you of your Freedom of Information Act obligations? Because I share your concerns, of course. Jeez, these people are dumb. I mean, if you simply delete emails after sending, does that relieve you of your FOIA obligations? Freedom of Information Act. Are you kidding me? People can go back. And, and this like, is, hey, look at RJ, stuff. this is higher education, yeah, and they I don't mean, realize that deleting your emails well, aren't really deleted? Guarantee half these people, even though they're <laughs> doctors the? and have doctorates and all that kind of stuff in their specific what? field, they don't have a regular social life. No, there's no way. I mean, you don't become... At, and you know what? They become so smart that they actually You're, become dumb. Right. Like, you become so single-track mind on getting your doctorate or degree. Like You just you, lose all and, common sense. And to become a chancellor, you're in academia your entire life. Oh, yeah. You're a brilliant mind in a certain yeah. aspect. And But apparently not I mean, covering your tracks. Like, or with some, emails some, or internet. Yeah. Yeah. But or... some of that common knowledge stuff, like book smarts and street smarts. Street smarts, 
leave you if you add uh, too much book smarts in there. That sounds so bad to say. No, no, no. That, that, RJ, you're right. There's definitely a fine line of schooling. <laughs> right. Becky, if you simply delete emails after sending, does that relieve you of your FOIA obligations? I share your concerns, of course, as the Michigan president. Oh Correct my me God. if I'm wrong, but that's the guy who said we need to shut it all down. Uh, there is no indication that uh, the Michigan president or blank deleted emails to evade public records laws. Okay. Hold on. So he blank, asked that, and then they never deleted emails? They said there's no indication. Blank told... Uh, uh, the Michigan president that her deleted emails are subject to disclosure through FOIA, oh. and sh- and she would be violating state law if she permanently deleted them. That's our state, though. Wow. And he, the pres- Michigan president says that's really interesting and difficult. Thanks for explaining. Where did they have this conversation? On the their portal? emails. That's their dude. They're not. Is this their regular email or the portal email? And the attorney, uh, the guy who uh. represents, you know, the public. The freedom of information, or uh, okay, God, I, I forget the exact say, thing. Like, Big Ten attorney. No, like, this is attorney who is uh, represents. He works litigation in federal and state courts. Says the suggestion to delete emails is incredibly troubling in and of itself. Yeah. Gee, you think? But here's the bad thing. It's not surprising. <laughs> RJ, what did you just say off air? But Patino? Oh, it, all signs point to him being gone at the end of the year. Oh man. Who's gonna get mad? Who's gonna be like? Who's they, gonna get mad and be like, like a little mad squirrel and throw they, his jacket? They checked uh, Minnesota's secure emails. Found out. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, no, I don't done. even think you'd have to look at emails. All you had to do was look at their play on the on the court yeah, and see good. that they never really lived up to the hype of being Rick Patino's son. And two, do you think Rick's disappointed in went, them? They went over they, on the road this year. Well, do you think we Rick's disappointed? Him? Do you think his dad's disappointed in him, Rowdy? Oh yeah. Come on. Or maybe his son's disappointed in his dad for all his. Uh, he, he probably wanted to be known as Rick Patino Jr. And Rick's like, "No, you're Richard." Who's more? Who's more? It <laughs> was Rick Patino. Was Rick Patino the guy that got caught having an affair in a restaurant? Yes. Mm-hmm. Who do you think's more disappointed, the father and his son for not living up to his, his dad in the coaching shoes, or the son and his dad for you know stepping out on the uh, the fam? I don't know. Both are disappointed. I think uh, if you look at the <laughs> or players, they look at their bank accounts, like yeah, we're fine. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Even though we bet against Minnesota, I think it was again when we, I think it was the second of our uh, five game winning streak here. We took Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Those the, those players quit. They did. They, they quit on them. Once you once you've lost your team, bye bye. Bye, Felicia. Yeah. So speaking of, bye. so looks like Richard Patino gonna be gone. Looking around here. Uh, at bracketology right now, Big Ten, and I talked about this, Rowdy and I talked about it very briefly as the Big Ten tournament is starting, um, what's that, tomorrow they're starting? Wednesday, yep. And Badgers play on Thursday. Yep. So for Get Jerry Palms. Penn State, Nebraska. <laughs> Go Nebraska. Uh, Jerry Palms bracketology <laughs> right, has right. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams of the Big Ten. Nine teams into March Madness. Michigan, Illinois, number one, Ohio State, and Iowa, number two seeds. Purdue is a four seed. Rutgers, an eight seed. Michigan State and Wisconsin are nine seed. And Maryland is 11. Rutgers, an eight seed? Rutgers is an eight seed, yes, indeed. How about Michigan State right up there with Wisconsin? Well, they ended up with some They had some nice wins the at the way. end there. By the way, if you look up Boborowski and his games uh, refing on Michigan State, not a good record for the win column for Michigan State. Or, no. It's not good. So... They're the ones. I think Michigan State fan base is the one that started the petition. Yeah. for Bobrowski. You know, in games now, granted, to remove him. Now, granted, there was a lot more games without Bobrowski than with for Wisconsin this year. Yes, but Wisconsin average had forty less fouls called per game or over those games without Bobrowski, and had thirty six more fouls called on them in uh, games. With Bobrowski, and that's over the other teams. It was like an average of two less without him, and an average of like four more with him. Really? So I found the petition. It's at change.org. They want a thousand. Oh, two signatures just came in. They want a thousand <laughs> signatures. Oh, another. Oh, oh. Well, they're almost there they're, already. They're, more keep flying in here. Sign it. Oh my God! They need a thousand signatures. It was at eight eighty-eight, and it's, I'm kidding you not. It's just about to hit nine hundred. There it is. It just hit nine hundred. People, pe- you watch people, the stock market here. People up and early want Boborowski off. They say Michigan and Michigan State fans don't agree on anything during an intense rivalry game that will likely determine these teams' fates. These two fan bases aren't torn; they're connected. 
The game has been tough to watch as Spartan fans, but Michigan fans are not happy with the tearing game, yada, yada, yada. Bo Borowski has taken the entertainment value away from college basketball. His officiating is consistently the worst in professional sports, and it's not even close. Professional sports. Well, this is collegiate sports, yeah. but I see, I know what you're saying. Uh, yada, yada, yada. I would love... Bo Borowski should not be in his position. He is not qualified to do his job, and it has proven with consistency that it could be done better by anybody with a base <laughs> with a baseline knowledge of the game. He has changed the outcome of more than a handful of games this year alone. He takes the power from college athletes and puts it in his own hands. We do not ask much, only that justice is done. We want Big Ten basketball back. Please get rid of Bo Borowski. And now we have Wisconsin fans jumping on here too. Um, they're a hundred uh hundred signatures away from their one thousand. Rowdy, Nelson, will you sign the petition? To remove Bo Borowski from his position as a Big Ten official. Sure. <laughs> like, we'll sign it and nothing will happen, so yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Well, they. I heard somebody – I saw an article or something from a blue check mark talking about how uh, one of the most senior officials in the Big Ten was hired away as the uh, head of officials for the SEC and took two of the Big Ten's top – referees with him yeah um so yeah now bo borowski gets big games and uh you know it's are you still under the belief rj that if he's breffing the thursday game for wisconsin taking on either nebraska or penn state that walk. the badgers should just walk off the court and forfeit i don't i don't think he'll be refing those games uh um, dude i would love for the big 10 like be like yo hey bo hey guess who you get on uh, on thursday Wisconsin. Go shine. <laughs> Go show them what you do best, baby. <laughs> Go blow that whistle until you're blue in the face. Okay, so let me ask both of you guys. Does the Big Ten tournament, obviously it matters if you're trying to, you know, for seeding and play your way in if you're like a team on the bubble. Yeah, but but does it matter? Like if winning the Big Ten tournament, does it even matter anymore? No. It's it doesn't. all about we, March we've, Madness. We've seen it before um, where Wisconsin has been in the championship game and it it seemed as though – they needed to make a run, and their seed would improve. And you make it to the championship game, and <laughs> you're still improve. like a five or six seed. And you're like, wait, uh -huh. whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse huh? me? Huh? Um, so, no, the Big Ten championship game does not matter. It's too late. Uh, and I, I think I'm arguing I think it does. I think this year it actually does matter because you didn't have as many non-conference non games where you got to play out-of-conference uh, opponents. Obviously, the Badgers are also a team that we've talked about it over and over the last couple of weeks. They have no wins against teams that are clearly better than them, teams that were clearly ranked at the time. Outside of Loyola Chicago, who is the only team that they have beaten that is ranked, and they weren't ranked at the time. So I think it actually would mean something if they said won the Big Ten tournament because it means you'd have to probably go through either Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, Ohio State, or any number of those uh, combinations well, you to win. You definitely would have to go through Iowa because that would be your yeah. game if, yeah. you, if you beat well, okay, Penn State. I, I guess you'd have to beat Iowa, and then you'd have to beat other teams that are most likely ranked that you'll be playing. Yeah, I, I get your point on that, but I, I'm saying the grand scheme of things. I really – no, like – Historically, it has not. Yeah, like, do, do we even care? Isn't seeds, it all? Seeds have been set. We've isn't seen, it all now on just March Madness? We've seen teams lose in the quarters and the But semis. I agree with you now. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, to your point. This season, they, they need They it. need to get some string, something because, together here. Well, we're talking about them being a nine. Yeah. Just, a, just a couple weeks ago, we were talking about them being a four. <laughs> well, guess what happened in those couple weeks? You lost to every single team you played, and they all happened to be ranked ahead of you. I think a few wins might actually get them back to, I mean, say they beat Penn State and then they beat Iowa and then they, I don't know, say they win at least two or three games in the Big Ten tournament. I think that could get them back up to a six or seven. Yeah. But if they just go one and one or oh and one. No, oh, yeah, they're going to. Hell, they'll be eight, nine, be eight, ten. Nine, yeah. I mean, I think the only teams you're going to see possibly moving for the championship are your top five seats. Sure. Uh, Michigan. Illinois, Iowa, Purdue, and Ohio State. Yeah, and um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Big Ten wins a national championship this year. Oh, dude, yeah. I, I mean, there's so much year. talent. There's, you got Michigan. You have Illinois. You have four teams that are going to be top two seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Michigan, Illinois, obviously the one seeds. You have Iowa and Ohio State, two seeds. 
Uh, what do you guys think, real quick before we break? I know at, at, at the end of the day, it's just like the Big Ten tournament. I guess it doesn't matter. Iowa retiring Luca Garza's number. Did you guys see that against the Badgers? Yeah. I mean, that dude's a baller, man. When it comes to college basketball, that guy balls hard. Yeah. I, you're the, oh, I believe you're the overall points leader in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 2100 uh, yeah. or whatever it was. He's a stud, um, dude. Yeah. Uh, he had, he's had an amazing career. I mean, that's very deserving. It, it's nice you see that recognized right away. Yep. Rather than being like, eh, let it marinate. We'll think about it for like five years and then well, that's we'll like let the, you know. They retired Frank's jersey because I was in attendance at that game. That was super cool, and I think Frank Kaminsky is someone that was well-deserving to have yeah. his number retired. Now, there are some other people exactly think, uh, who need it too in the will? history of this program, but uh, we, we've seen it before, uh, uh, articles on why it hasn't happened or things like that. Yeah. So I, I still think, you know, for springboarding Wisconsin to where they are right now, uh, Michael Finley still needs oh, that dude, tw- yes, 24 for, retired. For sure. Um, Definitely Michael Finley. We'll yeah. start there. Paid in full. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. My God. The 27-year-old fourth-round pick. A four-year, $160 million deal. Essentially makes him the highest-paid player in NFL history based on his contract value at signing. And a, what, $66 million guarantee? No, I'm sorry, $66 million signing bonus. Dak Prescott is just balling, dude. He is the highest signing bonus in NFL history. So behind him, Dak Prescott, $66 million is a signing bonus. Uh, Russell Wilson was second at $65 million. Aaron Rodgers, third at $57.5. Matt Stafford at $50 million. Matt Ryan, 46 Joe Flacco, 40 And Aaron Donald at $40 million. Uh, Rowdy, big time money coming out for uh, the Dallas Cowboy Dak Prescott. Now, obviously, there's concern over him breaking and f- what compound fracture his ankle and all the stuff he tore. But you know, Dak relying on his, you know, he's got an arm, but he's you know a mobile quarterback as well. Dak Prescott, I don't think they'd plunk this amount of money in him if they weren't you know advising by the medicals of their doctors uh, him coming back and having success. But Dak Prescott. A uh, hundred and sixty million dollar contract signing bonus of sixty six million dollars. I think, um, God, how much was guaranteed in this deal? A lot of it. So Dak Prescott at twenty seven, and he could get another even bigger contract at thirty one. Now you said something off air about this contract, and you're like, I think Jerry Jones won. Yeah, I I really do. I think uh, obviously both people got what they wanted. I don't think uh, Jerry Jones really wanted to move on. From Dak Prescott, yeah, I just think the only way he would have moved on if it's someone like a Russell Wilson or someone to that extent fell into his lap, because he knew he had a good quarterback in Dak Prescott. In my opinion, I like I like I think Dak Prescott's a great quarterback. He's good. I don't think he's great. I think and, he can be there. I think he can get there under the Mike McCarthy school of quarterbacking. And Jerry Jones knew that he was good, not great, so he didn't want to pay top dollar. Because let's be honest, you never, if you know someone, if you know that there's better people out there, you don't want to pay someone that you think is lesser than them, yeah. top dollar. Yeah, exactly. Even if it happens to be your guy, it's kind of tough to do money-wise coming from a GM like Jerry Jones. So I understand that. I think if you look at the deal, Dak Prescott won the battle, I guess you would say. And Jerry Jones going to win the war. Jerry Jones won the war yeah. because he kept extending Dak for what those one years one years yeah and now all of a sudden they sign a longer term deal which was four years but it's front loaded if yeah, you've noted it time. a lot of it is front loaded so the first two years like was a 20, 40 mil plateau yeah like in 2021 Dak's dead cap is 95 million dollars <laughs> in 2022 his dead cap is almost 73 million dollars wow but then once you get to 2024 which is the last official year of the deal it's only twenty six and a half, and then after that, it drops down to. Yeah, I think 13. that's a nice deal for him. Yeah. So, what this does for Jerry Jones and the Cowboys is the fact it gives Dak Prescott a lot of money now, and you and you signed him to that four year extension, mm-hmm. which means you have time because he's definitely going to be your quarterback the next two or three years, and he's getting paid in full for the next two or three years. And then down the road, once you get to that fourth, maybe fifth year there where there's a lot less money that is now tied to Dak, he could either draft another quarterback or acquire another quarterback 
and basically get rid of Dak. If that yeah, makes sense. No, yeah, it does. I think this is I think it's great for both parties here. Dak Prescott is um $126 million is guaranteed of the $160 million contract. But yeah, a lot of that's like you said, front loaded. Like, and if he if he does if he we'll say in two years he drafts a quarterback and the guy doesn't develop like you wanted. It's, yeah. Well then, okay, you're still with Dak for the next two years. Or if we'll say like a disgruntled Deshaun Watson all of a sudden falls into your lap where you can make a trade for him. Sure. It's easier, and that's not going to happen, but it's easier to get rid of a Dak Prescott because you front-loaded the hell out of the contract, and now in the last couple of years, it's easier to move his money. Yeah, so Dak Prescott inking up you know, with the Dallas Cowboys. I uh, I was curious if it was going to happen. I'm, I'm and if no one good falls, for him yeah, for doing it. If no one it. falls in your lap and no one develops, all of a sudden, well, hey, in four years, we'll just re-sign Dak again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dak Prescott, the cow- the Cowboys really need to work on one thing though, and that's you know their line struggled a little bit last year. I know they had a lot of injuries right away, but my God, their defense was like just atrocious. Their defense was abysmal. Uh, they had a lot of good pieces on offense, but when Dak broke that ankle, remember that remember that Atlanta Falcons game when they came back to win? I mean, who could forget that one? Yeah, I mean, bo- both guys in this party got what they wanted. Dak got his money, but Jerry Jones got the flexibility later in the contract. Yeah, this deal is nice for both parties when it comes to it. The money, here's the thing. Every season, you'll have a new quarterback getting the highest paid or the highest this, the highest that. That's just how the money operates. Uh, Dak Prescott, the highest bonus ever at $66 million, right behind Russell Wilson. So $126 million. 126 million guaranteed of the four-year 160 million, a 66 million dollar signing bonus. This is um, so. Does this spell trouble for the Green Bay Packers and supremacy in the NFC? No. <laughs> as long as you as got Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and this roster is still close to what it's been the last couple of years, and Matt Lafleur continues to scheme and, and call plays the way he has. Mm-hmm. No. Sorry. Da- I mean, Dallas is going to be better, so, especially if Dak is healthy. They'll be better than the crappy team that couldn't even win the uh, NFC East last year, but I don't think that puts them on the map as a true contender, no. This deal marks the fourth contractual home run swing in Dallas, which has been able to secure one of their cornerstone players, Demarcus Lawrence, Ezekiel Elliott, and Amari Cooper, and now Dak Prescott. They are they are keeping their stars there, I'll tell you that. Man. I, I saw a hilarious tweet comparing uh, Dak Prescott's new contract and Tony Romo, because obviously Tony Romo was like oh, the yeah. best, best the Cowboy best Cowboys, since Aikman. Uh, quarterback since Aikman, and just how much the money has exponentially went up. It was like over his career, Tony Romo made like X amount of dollars. And now in this new four year, $160 million contract, Dak was like relatively right there with Tony Romo. Got a comment here on twitch.tv from my guy, Bob. What's up, Bobby? Search my name. Bebo says hit the follow like uh, our guy, big Greg did too. I think he's in Eau Claire. Let's see, Bob says, did you guys see that Devin Funchess agreed to a $750,000 pay cut to come back with the Packers? Yes, we did. Uh, We were just going to react to it a little bit, but yes. Uh, How about that, Rowdy? So Devin Funchess back with the Packers, obviously sat out last year uh, because of COVID-19 concerns. I think he was the only guy to do it for the – no, he was the only guy to do it for the Packers – uh, he agreed to a pay cut of roughly seven hundred and fifty thou. He signed a one-year deal worth one point two million in base salary last April, but Funches opted out in late July, saying uh, "family first on his Instagram. Uh, last played for the Colts in twenty nineteen when he played in one game and caught three passes for thirty-two yards before he broke his collarbone. Uh, he was designated to return that year, but never came off IR. Missed the rest of the season. Uh, former second-round pick." His first four seasons were with the Panthers, obviously, where he caught 161 passes for 2,233 yards and 21 touchdowns in 61 games. I really hope that this isn't like the Packers being like, yo, this is our receiver we got back. This is it. Yeah. I really hope that this isn't the only so, weapon move they make either. But I could feel at them, this I point, can, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised either. And then I did see... Uh, last week, Brian Gutekunst was talking about how Preston Smith was going to stay with the team, but I saw rumors yesterday that they might trade Preston Smith. Did you see that as well? I saw that like just bubbling Honestly, around. if you could trade Preston Smith, I'm all for it. I would rather trade Preston Smith than cut him because you can save more money. Yeah, totally. And 
the Funches deal, I honestly was hoping they would just cut him and eat the one million dollar in dead cap to free up about one point four million to they, try and they, sign. They saved else. a little money now. I mean, he had a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar pay cut. So what the hell is he playing for? Peanuts? Like what? no. After the pay cut, he'd be paying for, or playing for what about one and a half million? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, I guess it kind of peanuts a little bit in NFL terms, but I guess. But yeah, Devin Fun just I. God, do I hope that's not like the move. Be like, oh, yeah, we got a wide receiver. He just took the year off, man. Again, that never that never works well. There's like he one. He hasn't played since 2019. There's like one player that I can come up with he off the top played. of my head that has taken years off and come back and still been good, and it's the freak of nature, Ricky Williams. <laughs> that like, guy, I love think Ricky about, Williams. Think about when a, a player has taken, okay, and Michael Jordan, but he's playing baseball. Yeah, and that's I mean that's Michael, that's Michael Jordan. That's not Devin Funches. No, no one ever confused Devin Funches and Michael Jordan with their uh, skill set of the the sport. But that that's they play. the thing. Outside of a couple guys off the top of my head, I can't think of a ton of players that have taken years off, not because of injury, but just taken years off and then come back and were better than what they were before. They're always worse. I mean, this guy's not played. I mean, he barely played in 2019. Yeah, because he was injured. Yeah, he broke his collarbone. And then in 2020, uh, Antonio Brown play. on our on Twitch, Jim B says Antonio Brown. I mean, he looked pretty good. So now we're talking about the three guys that we've come up with: Ricky My- Williams, Michael Jordan, and Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown. Well, Michael Jordan is Michael the Jordan. goat. He's he's the greatest athlete ever. So that doesn't even count. Yeah. And then you have Antonio Brown and Ricky Williams, who were big time Pro Bowlers, some of the best talent at their position. Devin Funches is nowhere near that same talent. Yeah, has has Devin Funches ever been confused Look with at Le'Veon Bell. the skill set of Antonio Brown? Le'Veon Bell could also be thrown into that same category as Antonio Brown and Ricky Williams, and he didn't even have a good year with the Jets. Now the Jets' offensive line also wasn't that great. Ooh, the here team we go. wasn't good, but he didn't play very well. Bob on Twitch says Rob Gronkowski, the Gronk. Gronk's not anywhere close to what he was. <laughs> Gronk was the best tight end in football, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, and then he got addicted to eating Tide Pods, and it all kind of went south. I mean, south, relatively still speaking. Still a serviceable player, but Relatively on. speaking for Gronk. Gronk was like a guaranteed touchdown every game back in his prime. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, Deion Sanders didn't take off. He's just doing double duty, right? I don't think Deion, I don't think primetime took off when he played baseball. Did it's because he? you forget about all the guys that take time off because they never come back to be the same player that they were. And listen, we're no one's gonna confuse Devin Funches for the likes of Gronk, uh, Antonio Brown, Michael Jordan. <laughs> just Look funny at, to say, we, Michael Jordan. Gronk was an all Gronk's an all timer, and he's still just a serviceable serviceable player. Now he's not a he's not a Pro Bowler. Bob is right. He did look pretty good in the Super Bowl. You are correct. I mean that Antonio Brown did as well. They did look pretty good in the Super Bowl. But yes, that's uh. It's very, very, very few and far between. But Dak Pre- or Dak Prescott, but Devin Funchess coming back to the pack, taking a pay cut, and today at three o'clock is the franchise tag deadline. Corey Lindsley, don't think that uh, Corey Lindsley is going to be franchised by the Packers. That's a lot of money. He's said multiple times, I don't think I'll be snapping the ball off the green and gold. I'll be doing it elsewhere. But the question is, Aaron Jones. Yeah, it looks like the uh, if Corey Lindsley does go elsewhere, which you just said, it looking more and more like it's going to happen. Looks like the Packers will probably get a third-round compensation pick for it. Hey, there you go. Packers have their work cut out for them, as that handsome devil in that sports flash said there. With franchise tag deadline uh, looming at 3 o'clock. Did bring this up briefly, but want to revisit it right here. The Packers, uh, according to sources, reports out there, the Packers are attempting to get some value back before making a final decision on the roster status of outside linebacker Preston Smith. Uh, Smith is one of the several veteran players involved in trade discussions around the NFL over the last few weeks, allegedly. Uh, Smith set to collect uh, $16 million, or count on $16 million on the Packers' cap in 2021 as a short-term fix for any team that doesn't want to spend big to get one of the top pass rushers in free agency. Packers could save $8 million in cap space by releasing or trading Smith. He has a $4 million roster bonus due on the third day of the new league year, creating a deadline of sorts for making a decision. And last week it was we had the obviously the the comments on the show here of Brian Gutekunst, the Packers GM, saying he's expecting Smith back on the roster for 2021. But here's the thing: GMs in professional sports are basically politicians. 
You know a politician is lying when their lips are moving. You know a GM is lying when their lips are moving. All they do is they tell you what the want what you want to hear, and behind closed doors, they are doing the exact opposite. Yeah, normally if they have to name you like that, like, we're very excited. We want Preston Smith back here. We expect him to be back here. That's like the kiss of death. Yeah. The long kiss goodnight. You're done, son. So Smith had, what, 12 sacks, 55 pressures in 2019, then dropped to just four sacks and 26 pressures during a pretty disappointing 2020 season. Um, he definitely, definitely, Rowdy, did not drop any snacks. It looked like he uh, put on a couple LBs. And, hey, living in Wisconsin, brat, cheese, some beer. I get it, dude. Got to watch that diet. But you were the first to point that out. You're like, man, is, is it me or is he looking a little soft around the edges? All right, he looked a little heavier and he played a little heavier. He wasn't as quick. He Like, is that jersey always been that tight-fitting with those rolls kind of hanging out? And you could tell you could tell he wasn't as quick because he wasn't getting off the line the same. And then all of a sudden, a little bit later in the season, you could tell he was trying to overcompensate for that because he was trying to jump the snap quite a bit. And well, I don't know this for a fact, but I would guess he probably led the team in uh, offsides too. Yeah, and um, delivery drivers contacted as well. 12 sacks and 55 pressures in 2019, then to four sacks and 26 pressures in 2020. Not good. Say trading a player like Smith could be tricky for the green and gold. Teams are expecting a bunch of veteran players with bloated contracts to get cut. So likely incentivizing others to wait and avoid giving up compensation for players, any team trading for Smith would have to be willing to pay him $12 million. In 2021. So I think this would be a good, I mean, obviously I think it would be a good thing for the Packers. Smith has declined uh, in productivity. And when it comes to the Smith quote-unquote brothers, I mean, Zadarius is the cream of the crop. Preston Smith, I would have no problem with them, you know, trading him up. Yeah, because Zadarius Smith was a guy that you got way more than you paid for in his first year. And you got probably pretty close to what you paid for in his second year. So he's been nothing but good for the Packers and has lived up to that contract. Well, Preston Smith, well, year one went well and year two, not so much. Yeah. They say moving on from Smith has always looked like a likely scenario for the Packers. Cal, we've been saying that Rowdy since probably like week four getting draft capital back would make, would make losing him with a dead cap of 8 million more tolerable, even if it looks unlikely as free agency approach. I'm looking here, Rowdy, speaking of, I brought up, you know, the running back Aaron Jones to Vegabond Johnny there. And I saw this here, the most overrated and underrated 2021 NFL free agents at every position. And I just scrolled down. Uh, the first one for quarterback is overrated Dak Prescott. Well, he's a cowboy now. Uh, underrated, they say, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzmagic, entering the season at age 38. You think he's a starter anywhere? Did I ever see, did I see the Bears linked to him potentially? Maybe I'm dreaming about that. Well, I mean, the Bears are probably linked to a lot of Ryan Patrick type guys because they're better than what they currently have. Yeah. I, I mean, Ryan Patrick I like is Ryan the Fitzpatrick. Guy, you know exactly what you're getting with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's that journeyman veteran that'll play well here and there, and he's not going to be god awful. He won't be great, but he won't be god awful. No, and he'll win you, dude. I mean, he'll he'll get hot. He'll win a couple games. He'll maybe flirt with the playoffs. Yeah, he can throw for four hundred yards in a game or two. He'll have some awesome picture at the podium after the game, wearing like looking all swagged out. He is what he is. He's the, the beard will be flowing. Be awesome. I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But then I scrolled. I do one flick of the little uh, roller here on the mouse. Running back, overrated. Aaron Jones, Green Bay Packers. Jones is an excellent running back, but the recent history shows that giving big money deals to backs after the rookie contract is rarely a good idea. Derrick Henry is the only one in recent memory who has who has justified the money thrown his way, and he has rare physical skills. And then they go on to talk about how uh, Jones has been good, still has yet to threaten the elite grades for pro football focus. I don't know if I would call him overrated, though. Neither would I think he's been phenomenal for the Packers. Like, outside of, what was it, the the four-game suspension for marijuana and some of the injuries early on in his career, he's done everything the Packers have asked him in 2019 and 20. And then some. Like, he has been an absolute monster for the Packers. He's like the little engine that could out there for the Packers. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he'd be overrated, but obviously it's a small sample size of him being as good as... He's been the last two years, but overrated? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think the bigger concern would be staying healthy. Yeah, which he's been able to do uh, for the most part. Jones, huge part of the Packers' offense, obviously, the last two years. He's put up over 3,000 total yards, 30 touchdowns, 
And if the Packers don't re-sign Jones or put the franchise tag on him, he's going to become a free agent. And um, if you franchise him, it costs you $8 million. If he hits the open market, he's looking at, what, like $14 million? Yeah, and I mean, in the last two years, he's proved to you that he can be a guy that totes the rock quite a bit. He's, he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he's He's shown that he can do multiple different things at the running back position. His biggest thing is just staying healthy because he is a smaller running back. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Carl on Twitch. Hit my name up on uh, Ebo says on Twitch at the follow button. Carl says, the article is true about money for running backs, but that does not mean Jones is overrated. It's more of a statement at the position overall. Yeah, totally. There's no, I in no way, shape, or form do I think Jones is overrated. I think he's been nothing but a beast. And how about this? Underrated, Wisconsin ties. I, he was even linked to the Packers, potentially. James White. See, White is the perfect running back for the modern NFL. He might not have the kind of skill set to handle in every down roll, but he can be an elite playmaker in a far more limited capacity and form part of an outstanding backfield committee. Well, James White is the guy that's had a nice long career now because he he knows his role. And he does he know, it well. Yeah, he knows exactly what he is. He's He's a guy that's going to be a third down back. He's going to be the back you dump the ball off to out of the backfield, and he blocks decently well for being a smaller guy to protect quarterbacks. I mean, he's good. Say if say if the Packers were looking to go in that direction, he'd be a solid complement to an AJ Dillon who's the 6 foot 250 pound guy that wants to run between How the old tackles. Is James White now. When James White can be the guy that lines up on third down and catches catches passes. James White is 29. Man, he's already that old. Interesting. I I like James White. I don't know if uh, you know, the Packers do, but I like James White. Remember when he should have been Super Bowl MVP, Rowdy? But some guy named Tommy took it away from him? <laughs> Tom Brady? So there you go. They're saying Aaron Jones, the most overrated at his position for free agents. I, I, I disagree. I disagree with that one. 